Hi, and welcome to the Indie Music Podcast, the podcast for independent musicians and other audio professionals. We're your hosts. I'm Matt Denton, also known as Mojo of Ragged Birds Music. I'm a Bay Area mix engineer and recording artist. And Douglas Reynolds of Resonance Mastering, a mastering engineer in Bloomington, Illinois. Welcome to Indie Music Podcast, episode 223. Tonight, Matt and Doug talk about workflows. Matt uncovers the torrid truth that he still uses the Eudora email client. He also talks about some changes to his studio workflow. Doug talks about aspects of moving to hybrid mastering, pain points, learning opportunities, and new workflows. Enjoy the show. Yo. There you are. Hey. <laughs> I'm here. I'm sitting here balancing my checkbook. Are you? <laughs> yep. And every time I every time I turn the page, I go check, check. Sounds like a juggling act. <laughs> Oh, how you, man? Hey, it's a good day. I got my headphones on and a microphone in my face, you know? Yeah, that's uh That makes a, everything all right. That's a you good know, day. You put the headphones on and <laughs> I, like the, like the whole, the whole energy changes. It's true. It does. That's my ice water. Oh, this is my gin and tonic. <laughs> so how you been? How's your week going? Good. Good. I have not much to report. I mean, it's just another week, so. Sure. Not really anything. I would call exciting, <laughs> worthy of podcasting about. Yeah, yeah. No, I hear you. I'm trying not to take on anything new at work because I I got a five day weekend coming up. Woo! Yeah, that's sweet. Yeah, it's gonna be nice. <laughs> Two of the days are already spoken for with family outings, which is good. We don't get many of those these days. Oh yeah, yeah. Other than I that. feel short on words tonight. Yeah, you know, I just I don't have a whole lot. I just thought we would go with the flow, you know? Yeah. Well, I know we talked about what we might riff on tonight, which is actually, I've been looking forward to it. And, but I really don't know how or what I'm going to say about our topic. So it's just going to be a surprise to me. <laughs> It'll be a surprise to me too. <laughs> um, see, I was trying to set you up there and you just, you just didn't, I threw you a pass and you, you didn't catch it. <laughs> well, it, it, it <laughs> You know, I, I was waiting for like uh, a better one. How's your level? And then I was going to go into, well, how's your workflow? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I haven't asked you that this week, huh? How's your level? I can hear your level is great. Your, uh, your, your, your microphone level, anyway. Okay. I'm sitting back a little bit further. Yeah. I ditched the noise gate altogether. I'm tired of it. It's a pain in the butt. And because I, I mean, I don't have a really high noise floor, but what it does mean is that I have to turn off the AC. Oh. So, you know, and the only time I'm really concerned about the AC is when I'm recording. Right. The other times it doesn't really. Well, it's not real hot there yet, is effect. it? I mean, we had a. No, not too bad, but it's it's getting up there. I don't know what it, it was warm enough for AC today. Yeah, we had it was like 78 here, but then it's now it's windy. It was 81. Oh, is that normal for you guys? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. End of May. Can you believe it's the end of May? I cannot. I, I I'm still writing April on stuff, so I. <laughs> It's like, now it's about to be June. What the heck? Yeah, it's it's cruising by. I mean, coming off a of vacation, it's just sort of split up May for me. And I made a point to make every day as long as possible while I was on vacation. And it worked out pretty good. Yeah. And that didn't mean staying up late. It just meant like being involved in the moment and then what we were doing for the day. And, and uh, you know, just not thinking about tomorrow and all that stuff and planning and everything. And. And actually, I'd like to like to um, incorporate some of that into my regular days. Yeah. And but except when 
I want things to end as fast as possible. <laughs> yeah, I do find, yeah, it's, it's a weird, yeah, I, I, it's, it's elusive though, right? You know, like you try to find that balance, uh, you know, you want to get stuff done, but, and you want to have structured time to get stuff done. But when you have unstructured time, sometimes that's when you can enjoy it more because it doesn't go by as quickly. I don't know. Yeah. It, sometimes I, I, sometimes I, I find that sweet spot, but it's so elusive. Like I, it's hard to recreate it for me. Well, I guess, you know, just kind of get into the topic here. Speaking of going with the flow. What? A, yeah. Well, you had my interest <laughs> peaked because you had mentioned that you had been changing up your workflow lately. And I thought to myself, after you said that, I didn't talk to you since then. No, we were, I was busy. Sorry. <laughs> and I found myself going, what the heck did you change up? What What's what's going on in your studio? Well, what's funny about it is that I got the idea from you because um, in the last episode you were talking about how, or we were talking about how you've changed your signal chain. You know, you've added some hardware and uh, every week I kind of have to change my, uh, my template. I have a, you know, I have a Doug, I have a Doug vocal chain that I use for you, but I keep having to change it because it feels like every week you have a, a new, like a new sound or a new improvement or something. And, yeah, uh, and yet again this week. So <laughs> yeah, it sounds so it sounds so clear to me though. So uh, like you're in the same room, which is great. Um, but yeah, you know, I'm always looking for. I mean, you know me. I know I'm always looking for improvement. I'm always trying to self improve. I'm always trying to improve my own flow, my own everything that I do. I'm always looking for process improvement. And um, I was specifically thinking about the fact that like once a year or so. I kind of take my working mix template and throw it out and start over from scratch or at least overhaul it radically with whatever new plugins I've acquired or whatever new techniques I've, I've got going on so that, you know, so that it's all there at my fingertips and I don't have to think about it so much. And I'm, I'm in the process right now of a, of a major, of a major workflow overhaul there, but not just, not, and that's what I was thinking of originally, but you know what I'm going through some other stuff too. Like I've, again, on after something you said, when you said you kind of live out of your phone and I was just kind of trying to wrap my brain around that because I so much live out of my computer and not my phone. And that's just the way I've always done it. And that doesn't mean it's the best way. And so one thing I did recently, and it was a, for me, a major life change. I, you remember we were talking about, um, I, you know, I was cleaning up files on my computer and I was thinking about how much time I spend trying to organize things. And that goes for email too. Uh, well, right. I ditched my email client that I've been using for like literally since the beginning of the internet. Like I started with Eudora. Do you remember Eudora? Like Thunderbird or Eudora? Yeah, it was, Thun it was Eudora. Then it, then it got bought by Mozilla and became Thunderbird. And I've literally been using Thunderbird all of this time, a pop three email client all of this time. Uh, since basically the early nineties and I recently ditched it in favor of web Gmail, which I've had that as well all this time. I mean, I've had Gmail since you had to be invited to join it. You know, you had to know somebody who would send you an invite to join it when it was a beta. I've had, yeah. I've had Gmail that long, but I've never switched to <laughs> web mail. <laughs> it's, it's not that I'm like a late adopter of everything. I just like to, you know, I get, I have a flow. And I go with the flow until the flow doesn't work for me anymore, right? Or until right. I find something. And it, it, there's like a, here's what I find. When you know that there's something better, it, there's, it still has to be 
better enough that you there's a there's a there's a you know there's a there's a transition cost. You know how much better is it? Is it ten percent better? Well, then it's not worth shaking up my entire workflow for. Is it thirty percent better? Well, that might that might be. So there's that trade-off. But uh, I did finally <laughs> decide. You're laughing, but I did finally decide that this is something that I do. So it's a it's a big deal for me. So I'm like still trying to figure out how to organize one of the things that I spend most of my time on, which is email. I see. It's a big deal. <laughs> it's a life changer. <laughs> it, email is such a pain in the butt, you it know, is. and the vast majority of stuff that I receive. Well, like I use email accounts in a utilitarian way. Yeah. And so I have, I have the email account that I expect to get a bunch of junk. And I use it for signing up to most websites right. and stuff like that. You know, and I have uh, a personal email mm-hmm. that I use with friends and family mm-hmm. and uh, some other stuff, you know, where it's like of interest to me personally, that type of stuff, um, you know, uh, cool uh, guitar instruction stuff, sites or whatever like that, you know, that I'm not worried about um, getting spammed or stuff. Um, and then I have my business accounts. And I use uh, uh, Google for all of that. So I have the, the Google for business as well as just regular Gmail accounts, like run-of-the-mill, you know, regular accounts. Right. And so I use the Gmail app on my phone so I don't have to go to the web. It just, and then I have all those accounts. And the Gmail app does a really good job of making sure that when you're replying to an email, you're replying from the, from the account that the original was sent to, which was my a big problem for me for a long time. Sure. Um, using email clients where you'd have multiple accounts on there and reply to an email and it's from the wrong email right. address. Yeah. Which in some cases, you know, well, that I really wanted to use that junk email for that reply and I sent out my business email <laughs> by accident. Yeah, you that know, can be that, tricky. But they're all but, but they're all Gmail addresses, so that they all come to the same. Yeah, app. well, my my Gmail for business is my own domain that's using Gmail servers. Got it. But that works with the Gmail app because it's the same, you know. Yeah. And so yeah, so it's all all my emails in the Gmail app on my phone for everything. Yeah, my business email is actually a forwarder from my domain account, and then it just forwards to my Gmail. Yeah, I mean, I managed my own email for a long time. I had. I mean, I set up and ran my own email server on a on a CentOS box on <laughs> on cloud, and what a pain in and in dealing with uh, spam and security oh, yeah. and everything else. You know, oh, I, I know. mean, it's not worth. I it. spent a decade as an email administrator running SendMail and and uh, yeah. you know all that anti spam stuff. And oh my god, yeah, I'm so glad to not do that. But I'm glad that I still know how. It's it's yeah. still you know peripherally part of my job tangentially, but. Yeah, so that's a so, life work. So that's tell me more about your <laughs> template stuff because I don't do like an annual thing. I my template is my template is a series of uh, plugins which includes my uh, my insert, which is how I route out mm-hmm. to my hardware. Mm-hmm. And and when I create a new session, I have a, a template that has all the stuff that I like to use. I don't always use everything in it, you know, uh, but, and it just comes in with everything disabled. Right. And then I start from there, you know, and I just, uh, that way I just don't have to like go find stuff and add it into the session, you know, so I just have everything there already. Yeah. And 
you know, when new things come up or whatever, and I like them, then I just pull them in. And I, next time I create a new session before I do anything else, I save it and I overwrite my existing template with the new stuff that I like. Mm -hmm. And I just continually modifying that as needed. Right. Yeah. I more or less do that. Yeah. So I don't really have a, an annual review type of thing that I do. Yeah. Or anything well, that, like that that sounds kind of like my mastering template. Um, what I've what I've learned to do is I have multiple chains. I think I've talked about this before. I have you know I have my regular you know track, and then I send it out. Th- I always send out through a you know a, a plug in two bus, whether I'm mixing or mastering. That way, I can have anything that I want to go straight out to one two, not go through the the signal chain. Um, and so what I, what I've learned, what I've decided to do for my, for my mastering is I have multiple kind of out buses to choose from with different signal chains on them. And then I just pick the one according to program material. And every once in a while, I, I, I get enough new stuff that I will just create a new chain. I, I leave the old ones there to choose from, but, um, but that, yeah, that's more straightforward. I'm thinking more of my my mixing scenario where I have a lot of sub buses and routing. And last summer I experimented with a Michael Brower style uh, sub routing that was uh, marginally successful. <laughs> it was a little overcomplicated, but it was a good idea. And then I, I kind of took ideas from that and turned it into more or less what I have now. But uh, I'm kind of over overhauling the, the plugins that I use and ditching the ones that I never use and sticking with new ones that I like a lot. And it's a process. So I've been doing a lot of practice mixes and masters lately just to kind of get used to the new plugins, the new workflow, um, using a lot of slate stuff right now. It's, uh, it's, it's kind of cool. It keeps things fresh. Uh, it keeps me feeling like I'm, uh, you know, I'm on that, that exciting learning curve rather than in the, in the doldrums <laughs> wondering if things could be better. Like I'm in that learning curve space where I'm like, and knowing things are getting better, but maybe not, they're not fully honed yet. So it's kind of like a mental muscle memory that you have to develop. You know what I mean? Um, Oh yeah. So uh, I forgot to say, I, I had fun with your, uh, your little challenge from last time. Uh, your, I know it was kind of a joke, but I did it anyway. Cause I said it would. Oh, you did. Yeah. It? <laughs> yeah I, I put it at the end of the episode. It's, it's kind of funny. I kind of did it as a joke, even though I, you know. <laughs> so, so did you, you'll, you'll see, you'll see. So did you like grab pieces from? Yeah, I grabbed, <laughs> yeah, I grabbed, I grabbed this. I found the same words and I just spliced them in and level matched them. They don't sound exactly like, I can't it's, wait it's almost it. like it's, it's, it's a little tongue in cheek. Like you'll notice that it's not the same, but it'll, it's in the same spot. So uh, it's kind of like one of those bad dubbings, but not really. Did you put that? The link continuity up is there, but you could tell. Is that link up to listen to yet? Uh, is it? Yeah, it's in the. It's, uh, it, it's okay. uploaded in in uh, Amazon. Cool. Okay. Yeah, I got to go check it out. I haven't had a, a chance to review it yet. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me know if I need to rebound. <laughs> that would be good to know. Um. So that's uh that's a bunch of stuff about my workflow, personal and um, music related. Um. But the whole ball got rolling because you were telling me about uh, pieces that you've added and how your workflow has changed. And I know you talked a little bit about it in the Patch Bay episode, but why don't you tell us a little bit about what you've d- 
done recently, what you've added, what you've changed in your workflow there in your mastering room? Yeah. So the the impetus of of change for me has been going hybrid, uh, which has been a goal of mine for a while, and to incorporate outboard gear as part of my audio production tool set. And that came with um, really a complete restructuring of, of workflow of my production process and how really how I, I set up my session. And the majority of, of the changes has been in routing. And that was really highly relevant to the patch bay stuff we had talked right. about. And yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and I'm still learning. There's, and I'm making some mistakes. There's things that I've discovered that were part of my old setup that I thought were working with my new setup. And uh, as far as routing is concerned and, mm-hmm. and discovered that my old setup was really w- way more complex than it needed to be. Oh. And I've really been able to simplify. And that came a, upon the realization that I had some duplicated signals and mm-hmm. uh, especially in like the podcast setup and <laughs> extra heat. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and that was causing some problems uh, as far as the audio production part, though, I guess I'm, I don't want to get so specific to my gear, but I have a, an AD and DA converter. Mm-hmm. All right. And that, functions as my uh, my interface as well. It's This one happens to be USB. There's other ones out there that are FireWire and, and so forth. It supports like AES, electronic, uh, digital, and ADAT. And it also has analog outputs and inputs on it. Cool. And the addition of the analog I.O. is what's new for me. Ah. Uh. And how that incorporates into my workflow now is that I have to like bounce, you know, and uh, learning the distinction between what's rendering versus what's bouncing or printing. I don't really have to print because I'm not working with like individual instrument tracks that need to be processed and then go through and print those to a new track. Right. A lot of people will, in mixing, will do that because hardware is expensive. So you want to use that EQ or or compressor. So you'll run a track through it and process it and print it. And now that it's printed, you can free up that hardware to use on a on another track. Oh, I see. You see what I'm yeah, saying? That makes sense. And then you can yeah. you can bring those together and group them, and then you can start processing groups. But you. You basically process, print, process, print, you know, combine stuff. And, uh, you know, you might take a, a group of tracks and maybe you want to do some bus compression or something on that group. And so you'll do that and print. And it's kind of a destructive process. All right. Because right. once you have printed, then, you know, there's you're not really able to go back. And that's a kind of a difference in a digital workflow versus analog, you know. But again, that's not really too important to me because what I'm more concerned with is just working in the one in the master bus. And so for me, it is how do I process and create a rendered file that has my outboard processing in it along with my 
inboard stuff in the box stuff. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, for me, if I'm printing, it's because it ha- I have MIDI or something that I want to make sure is an audio file and not just data so that there's no chance of, you know, getting out of sync or I want to print effects. Um, so that's a whole different way of thinking of it, f- you know, for completely in the box versus hybrid. Yeah. And I think I've made about every mistake that you can make <laughs> in a very short amount of time trying to. Well, that's how you learn, right? Yeah. And, you know, they. The documentation is pretty good, but it really doesn't, it doesn't help you in your specific situation. And so there's a lot of mad scientist stuff going on and just trial and error. I think one of the things I have to laugh at myself about was at one point I was actually, it was a mix I was doing for, or a master I was doing of one of your mixes, which I still need to go back and work on. Sorry. (laughs) Um, I didn't want to ask. (laughs) And actually, I've got time for that coming up here. So, oh, good. Yeah, let's uh, let's revisit that this uh, weekend. Okay. Um, but I, I bounced, and then I was, how did I? What was the mistake? Oh, something about you you thinking that it was uh, that no, it was it was rendered, and but you had to do it through outboard, uh, you know, in yeah, real time well, or something was, like that. Yeah, I was rendering, and I had the compressor on during rendering, and then I was playing back, and. I was rerunning the process signal through the compressor again, not realizing it. Uh, that makes sense. And was doing the entire master according to what I was hearing there. <laughs> right. <laughs> it sounded great, but what I delivered to you was absolute <laughs> crap. <laughs> now, I didn't say that. I want to point out that I didn't say it was absolute crap. When I listened I did, back I to think it, it was thin. Well, the funny part is I, listen, what I, expected. I listened back to it and my playback was also going through the compressor and, and oh. it was like, Hey, what, what the hell's wrong? It sounds great. You're like what's sounds good to me. What's the problem? <laughs> what are you drinking, man? Yeah. But, but yeah, when Scotch. I realized that I uh, had was double processing the signal and I was like, wow. Okay. Yeah. That's nice funny. Mistake. I, I kind of wonder that probably comes up in an IT context and we don't realize it, you know, <laughs> we're like, I don't see the problem. It looks good to me. And they're like, but I can't get to that network. Yeah. You know, someone's um, out there going, what user would freaking do that? <laughs> right. Some QA person is, is like, you know, yeah. really? So, yeah. So yeah. anyway, I've been making mistakes and learning from them. And um, the really cool thing about my setup is that I can create scenes and these are routing scenes. And Oh yeah. I like that. And so like, I don't use my my monitors during our podcast recording. I'm routing my audio into my headphones. Yeah, same. And during mastering, I am wanting to route out to my outboard gear. And so I have a mastering scene. And in my bouncing scene, as a result of my experience of mm-hmm. uh, double processing, <laughs> I created a bounce scene, which does not run back oh. through the processing. It runs directly out to monitoring so that when I'm reviewing my bounces, not during bouncing, I do I do my bounces during in my mastering scene because then I bounce those in real time through the processor and right. it it records it's basically recording the session as I want it to into a WAV file or whatever. And then yeah. my bounce scene is when I'm playing back my bounce, which then no longer routes to my outboard gear and it routes directly to my monitoring. And I can just switch scenes like half a second, just click on the scene and, uh, and it does all the internal routing for me. 
Yeah, that sounds a lot like one of the, like a, one of those digital pedal boards where you can just preset different pedal setups yeah. and then s- switch between them. Yep, it's a really good analogy to that. And like I was talking about the ES8, my boss uh, pedal switcher that I have, I think in the in the Patch Bay mm-hmm. episode, and that is basically the functionality that's happening is as yeah. you're able to uh, pick and choose what all your routing is. Now, I'm still working on some things. I, I use an insert plugin, and uh, that's just a stock hardware interface plugin in my DAW. Okay. However, I'm discovering that may not be needed uh, because I can route via channels directly. So if, I, if I'm routing like USB 1 and 2, then I can send that 1 and 2 out if I want to to processing or... As I'm using it with my insert plugin, I don't want one and two because I'm using one and two for monitoring. And so I don't want, I want monitoring to be after processing. And if I send monitoring to the monitors that I'm getting, and, and I'm also sending the same channels to the outboard, then I've got a wet signal and a dry signal, and I'm not listening. I'm listening to right. a dry signal. So if I go outboard like channels three and four and return on five and six, and then output to monitoring after that to one and two, then I'm hearing my wet signal. So this has been <laughs> a process a process <laughs> of just experimenting. What happens? And I'll tell you what, with the compressor, it's one of the, one of the you know, I, it would be a lot better to, to do this kind of thing with like a flanger or something so you can hear it, you know? Oh, so that was obvious. Yeah, because, you know, but you can do it, you know, with the compressor, just like, crank the threshold down and, you know, and compress the crap out of it so that it's obvious, (laughs) you know, if you're just doing, trying to figure this stuff out and subtle compression, trying to hear that. Which by the way, is a great way to learn how to use a compressor. Oh yeah. To crank the knobs all the way and see what it does. And then, well, you know, that's what I, that's how I set up my compressor for a session is I will um, set the attack and ratio of what I think it should be. And that's, uh, how do you get there? Well, you, you get to that point by messing with the compressor. But uh, so I've, I've messed with my compressor enough that I know what kind of ratio and attack that I want yeah. for what I'm doing. But then I'll, I'll take the threshold and hit the floor with a threshold because it's so exaggerated then and turn up the makeup gain so I can hear it. All right. And then mm-hmm. I can tweak my attack and ratio and release based on that over-exaggerated compression that I'm hearing, and then back down the threshold and adjust the makeup gain to where it needs to be. (laughs) And that works really well. And the reason it does is because that exaggerated compression allows you to hear the changes better to your attack ratio and release, which in other, you know, if you're just barely tapping on the threshold, those things are very, very subtle and trying to really discern if you have the right uh, settings, you know, that's, you're going to have to do it. Then you're going to have to to print it or bounce it and then listen back to it and then do that again. And that's, that's really time consuming. So you can get closer faster just by exaggerating. So that's a trick. Yeah, totally. And I was, I was chuckling because I was thinking <laughs> for some reason it made me think of yesterday. I was, uh, was making an impromptu uh, pork ragu out of leftovers and uh, I'm, you know, I'm making, and I, it was not a recipe. I was just making it. And I was like, okay, what should I put in here? Oregano or basil? And so I, you know, I smelled the ragu and then I took the, you know, the thing of oregano and I took a deep whiff. 
And I thought, oh, that smells good. And I took a deep whiff of the uh, the basil. I thought, no, that doesn't smell good. So then I put in a little oregano. So it sounds like <laughs> it's not unlike seasoning to taste. Yeah, I think that's when you're doing yeah, compression. Yeah, I mean, that's compression a, stuff. you're really you're you're setting up this this processing. What are your needs? You know, mm-hmm. I've also got with my setup, I've got a, a side chain. And, you know, so I can also bring that in through the patch and, and then do like high passing based on what I'm sending into the side chain. So if I've got like a really base heavy material that I'm working with and it's pumping real bad and pumping is not desired in in that particular song, you know, so sending in a, uh, an EQ'd side chain is now part of, of the workflow and part of that routing and the neatest thing is being able to unplug my headphones and plug them into any point in my patch and hear what's going on oh that is cool if i want to catch something before um before outboard processing what's coming out of my daw i can do that and then i can patch in you know after compression or something like that and compare it and uh in about with a switch of about really just about as fast as i can switch on my monitors you know yeah. And so it's really been there's a there's so much good about it. It's just been a challenge to get there. But now that it's Yeah, so I have two questions. Yeah. One is this sounds like something that would make you need to like really sit down and diagram this out, like either in a spreadsheet or literally make a drawing or some color coded something. Say, okay, this is what I got. This is how things talk to each other. Yeah. These are some scenarios that sounds like something you need to do. So well, I've got, as far as the patch bay and the physical connections are concerned, I have a spreadsheet and that's it's all laid out in a spreadsheet. And then I don't have diagrams for impromptu things. Like if I want, if I want to do some custom routing for something, whatever, Yeah. then that's just me on the spur of a moment, grabbing a patch cable and, and changing the, the actual physical analog routing stuff. Right. The digital routing is still all occurring in the IO assignments for, you know, channels and things like that in the DAW. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then I also have the ADDA internal routing and that's all set up on a matrix and it's a touchscreen display. So I just go to the touchscreen and see what my settings are there. And if I have questions on it, but really that's what my scenes are about. I've done that work and I've created my scenes and I don't have to, Unless I make changes to something, I mean, physical, uh, remove or add hardware or something, um, there's really nothing to update there once I get it set up the way that I want to. So now I can just go back to my matrix and and look at that on the the display of the um, AD and DA converter. Yeah. So here's the burning question. This is the one that I had, and I almost brought it up when we talked about pedal boards briefly. Knowing that you had wanted a hybrid setup all along or for some time, did you have, <laughs> I mean, this would be my thing. Do you have a list like a, a, I need this and that, and then I'm done. Or is it kind of like, you know, guitar pedals where you're like, oh, I need uh, I need a flanger. Oh, oh, I need a delay. Oh, I like this delay better. Oh, oh this, you know what I mean? Yeah. Do you go, do you have a list that goes, okay, I need like an LA-2A style compressor I need a Poltex style EQ and I need a, um, you know, an 1176 style compressor and then an AD converter and then I'm good. <laughs> or 
Well, or I started out. Is it kind of well, a, feels like a slippery slope? Nothing's going to happen without that. Yeah, and yeah, you've got to have that. And that's, in my opinion, your centerpiece. It's the most important part of going back and forth between the the analog and digital domains. Yeah, totally agree. So don't skimp in that area. The everything else, uh, every plugin that I own is a simulation of what I want to have. <laughs> so my list is actually long in my mastering template. <laughs> so you need a couple of LHAs, <laughs> a couple of 1176. Well, you know, I'm not two really black, two blue. Yeah, you know, that's okay. You know, a I, fair child. I'm more like uh, Alicia or is it Elysia? And I'm really liking the the Tegler audio manufacturer stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, there is, well, I think my next hardware acquisition will be the TK Audio Tekalizer 2, mm-hmm. or it's going to be the um, SSL Fusion. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I'm not decided on which one. One of them's for color, which is the SSL Fusion. Right. And the other one is for uh, parametric EQ and mid-side control and things like that. And I need to be- figure out which one is going to be more important to me first. <laughs> I noticed you said first. Yeah, yeah that stuff doesn't, <laughs> well, for me, it doesn't happen all at the same time. So it's going to, and there's sure. a big gap in between each one. Yeah. Yeah. I could see you just like get money in, set some aside, get some money in, get some aside, and, you know, start building your little uh, capital expenses. Yeah. I mean, my goal account. is to fill up my rack and, and then have the need to upgrade my, to a mastering desk with, with rack space in it. You're going to build it yourself? Uh, I'm going to use the frame of my existing desk and build a, like a console top for it with uh-huh. all the, uh, um, rack space in it. So that's my plan. I like my well, desk. So I, li- I like my desk frame and stuff. So I want to figure out how to use it. Although it has a drawer and I'll probably lose the drawer. And that drawer is part of my workflow. It's where, oh yeah, it's where things that are causing messes on anywhere go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that means I'll have to clean my drawer. <laughs> you can always get like one of those rolling drawers and then it has a little surface on top. Yeah. Yeah. So right now, I mean, it's not optimum for me to turn and make adjustments and then turn back. So I find myself in weird postures sometimes. Uh, that's so not like, always great. Got my head in the center position, and, but I'm like reaching, <laughs> you know, and uh, it's uh, everything's on my left here. That is cause, you know, I would r- much rather be able to, to stay in the stereo field and make changes without my head moving. <laughs> and really, I mean, that's for practical purposes of, of being able to make changes without moving back and forth in and out of the stereo field. And yeah, that makes sense. Cause you can hear the changes better. You're in real time with it. And even having that one second pause in between where you get out of the stereo field, you make a change and come back in. That's a distraction. Well, yeah, if it's a subtle change, you may not even hear the difference. Yeah, that type of thing. If you go away and come back, even if it's short. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. So I'll usually, like, make the change, come back and listen, then come back and put it back where it was. 
and then keep my hand on it so I don't have to look at it <laughs> and then make the change while my head is, because I can reach it without pulling my head out of the stair field. I just can't see it without turning my head to look at it. Yeah, that sounds like an opportunity to improve your workflow. Yeah, yep. <laughs> I think it is, it is. And that, that comes with the cost of and time of building a desk. I've called around. COVID has uh, put up some roadblocks for that, for sure. things that I'm interested in that I can't get because one of the desks that I'd like to get is, where is it? It's like out of New Zealand or something like that. And they uh. they can't get it to the United States right now. That makes sense. Well, I just I just came up with a parting tip. And the parting tip is if you're looking to improve your workflow, regardless of what we're talking about, if it's your mixing, your mastering, your life, take a step back and figure out what your friction points are. And then ask yourself, what can I do to reduce friction in this area? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I've got friction areas. And, you know, when these things come you don't discover this stuff by stepping back and looking at it. And and as I as I kind of return to in this podcast over the years now is uh, the, you know Frank Herbert and you know a process cannot be understood by watching it. One must join and flow with the process. You have to actually true, true. be working in it to figure out what's wrong with it. You know, and, and yeah. Make oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't mean on the abstract. I meant like have a notepad at your hand and go. You know what? It would be good if I could do this because um, you may not remember later. But yeah, and well, you know, if it's something that only happens once and uh, it's not a pain point, then it's not really friction. No, I don't think it's the things I don't have to write down that are bothering me that are important. You know, because. I find myself, God, you know, I, I got to do this again. I'm, I'm doing this same thing over and over again. This could be much better if I move yeah. this here, you know, whatever the change may be. Right. Yeah, look for those things. And if there's opportunities to make changes to improve those, you know, that's that's what I'm looking for. So, I, yeah, I definitely have opportunities. But I, I think learning and living in that I think I've said this before too, but living with the friction, living with the the not optimized process and really getting to hate it to a point <laughs> yes. because you understand it so well and understanding, yeah. you really get an understanding of what it's going to take to fix it. Absolutely. So it's okay. You know, live with it for a little while and really get to know why you don't like it. Yeah. That reminds me of a thing that my... Oh friend of mine said in passing that it just really stuck with me, which is he said just one day, discomfort is underrated. Yeah. And I, I agree with that. <laughs> you got to live with the discomfort in order to know what comfort feels like. Yeah. Well, there you have it. Everything's not perfect at resonance mastering, you know, but it, we're, we're always <laughs> or at in, Ragged Bird's music, but we're working uh, on it. Always in a, always in a, <laughs> there's always room for improvement. You know, I don't think it ever gets perfect and you know, I think it's the beauty of working in in audio and with music is it's always new. There's always things to do. And there's always opportunities for improvement. Yep. That's why we like it, right? That's why I like it. <laughs> That's one of the reasons for sure. All right, Doug, I think this turned out to be actually a pretty good episode after all. Yeah. Despite the... Uh, Technical challenges and other stuff. What what technical challenges? No, I don't. I, I was going to say they they didn't exist because they never happened. Because never I'll happened. be editing all the mountain post. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, and if, if it's not in the final MP3, listeners, if it you never only happened. knew, <laughs> if you only knew the links we go to bring you the best quality audio. Absolutely, because what was happening before that you didn't hear was absolute <laughs> utter trash. <laughs> <laughs> oh, too funny! All right, man. All right, hey everybody! Always thanks great so much. talking to you. Great talking to you too, listeners. Great yes. talking to you. We'd like to yes, hear from absolutely. you too. So, how about a review yeah. on iTunes? Leave us some comments. Hit us up on social. Yeah, check in with us. So, we love to hear from you anywhere, anytime. All right. Have a good week, everybody. Thanks for listening. All right. Thanks. Cheers. Cheers. Well, that wraps up another episode of the Indie Music Podcast. Please like and subscribe, share with your friends, or just leave us a review on iTunes if you like what you've heard. Find our social links and episode guide at IndieMusicCast.com. Until next time, keep creating. Salvaged another one.